What's up? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, oh, yeah, no doubt. So the way I like to start off the show is I'm going to give you your flowers. That's where I get a chance to say something nice about you that I like or love. So you ready for that? I'm ready. All right, so sit back and relax and let me give you your flowers. Bam. So it's pretty easy for me to give you your flowers, to be honest with you. So it's like, I had no idea that you were the person behind the music that I just, I love so much. And it was crazy when just by chance, I, I just connected with you and then I got, a, you invited me to your studio. Yeah. And I mean, that was so beautiful of you to do that. I mean, you just gave me an invite. You didn't even know me like that. But I, I do that too. honestly, I do that to I do that to a, a few people because you know, like some people, I just know they're serious about their craft, and I wish I had somebody to do that for me when I was coming up. So, and I know a little experience like that can kind of change somebody's mindset on the career on their career. So, I try to do that as much as I can. You know what I mean? Oh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. So when you did that, I mean, I just felt like I was dreaming, you know, I've been to studios before, but just to know that I was around a place with some of the songs that I love probably happened right there. Right. And to know that you were the person who made those sounds, it was just crazy to me. And then just to be like in New York, a place that, you know, growing up is, you know, in the 90s, it's the mecca of the music. So, yeah. For me, it was just, I don't know, you know, you right there, the heart of Manhattan, I, it was just, it was crazy. So basically for your flowers, I'm just saying you're a pretty humble dude, you know, you're kind, and I really appreciate that, man. That was that was so dope for you, just No in problem. General. No problem. Yeah. You enjoyed yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> it's like it's hard for me to figure out what I want to start with you because... I'm just so hyped about your music, man. I want to know the beginnings. I want to go through everything with you. I I, I just want to tell you, because I don't think I actually told you when I chill with you, it's like your music, it, it, it gives me like an experience that I just can't even hardly explain, man. I mean, yeah, I, just, I, I, just think, I just think music is always about a feel, man. I never... I don't make music for it to sound good necessarily. I make music for it to give you a feeling. You know what I mean? Like if you listen to music and it gives you a feeling, you never forget it. Like a lot of people make music that sounds good, but you know, like that those sounds go away over time, but a feeling lasts with you forever. Like you remember songs that you listened to probably when you was 12 years old because of the feeling that it gave you. You know what I mean? Not necessarily because of the way it was mixed or the sound. It was just, it was just a vibe. Yeah, brother, but you got you gotta let yo, you gotta let me tell you, like, there is good music, but I'm telling you, when I say experience, your records give me a whole experience. Like, and I'm not saying it to blow your head up or anything. It's like when I listen to Dipset Anthem or just the Purple Haze album, which to me is one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. Just in my yeah. personal opinion, I'm a big Cameron fan. Right. It's like all a lot of your beats just sound like straight anthems. 
And I don't know if you do that on purpose. I mean, I, I not try to make it anthems on purpose, but what I try to do is I try to give it a feeling that's going to make you, like, if you in the gym, it's going to make you get an extra four or five reps in. If you running, it's going to make you run an extra mile. If it's, no matter what it is, it's going to push you to the limit. That's the, try, that's the type of music I try to make or, I, you know, I hope to make. But sometimes I change the vibe, up, the vibe up, but it's always going to give you a feeling. All of my music gives you a feeling. I don't try to make anything that you walk away with nothing from. You know what I mean? Like, I want you to leave yeah. saying, like, yo, his music is different. I'm telling you, when I first moved to New York, I was taking the subways, I was listening to the Dipset anthem, and it's like either that song can make you want to fight or it can just uplift you, it can motivate you. And yeah. I tell you, look, no lie, I told somebody, I was like, I think I caught the Holy Spirit. And somebody was like, Carol, <laughs> you wild and you wild and Carol, but I was dead ass serious. Yeah, to me, it's like, <laughs> I want my music to feel like gospel and not when I say gospel, I don't mean gospel music, but I want it to feel like, you know, like when you go to church, you know what type of music to expect when you go to church. Yeah. I want, like I want when you put on a heat makers record, you know what you're getting already. It's like the church of the heat makers. Like you, you, it's going to be like the heat makers gospel type of thing. You know what I mean? Like when you listen to it, it just comes along with its own energy. And that's what I've always tried to make. And I just feel like as of the last few years, I've been getting way better at it. Like, I think, you know, I was good before, but I think now I'm kind of like, I figured Ooh, boy. it out. Let me, okay, be honest, cause you know, I'm a rapper. I write when, you know, every now and then you will write a line. Well, a lot of times you will write a line, you be like, woo, woo, woo. Like, do you, do you be behind your little- Of course, little... <laughs> of course. I, I do that because it's like, like before uh, I used to do like, like back in the day, if I'd make like five, six records for the day, I'd probably end up keeping like two, but now okay. I'm to the point where I'm keeping I'm keeping five out of five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I cracked the code now. Like I figured it out. I don't really waste music anymore. Everything I make has a certain vibe attached to it. And that's a, is that probably because you've grown in confidence, or you feel were you good right now in your music? Or I think when I stopped caring what people, what people, other people's opinion was about my music, I made better music. Like, I don't make music trying to please anybody. I just make, honestly, mm. I just make music trying to please myself. If I can yeah. make myself happy, I know the world gonna love it. Cause I'm a hard critic on myself. I like that. I like that. So I, I just, I want to backtrack a little bit. Cause I just jumped right into the, the fan of, of me to you just came out a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, for the people who don't know, and everybody don't really like to say this, but just tell the people some of the folks you work with in the industry besides Dipset, because we know you work with them. Um, I've worked with um, obviously all the solo members of Dipset on their solo projects. Um, Rick Ross. I've worked with um, Two Chains. I've worked with Lil Wayne. I back back to working with Little Flip back in the day. I've worked with Ti. I've worked with um, Joel Ortiz, Fred the Godson. Um, um, Crooked Eye, uh, Ghostface, uh, Scarface, um, Cannabis, Gucci Man, yeah, Gucci Man, Cannabis, um, Remy Ma, yeah, Remy Ma, Fat Joe, PNB Rock, <laughs> yeah, um, Beyonce, yeah, yeah, Currency, yeah, you know what I mean? I've worked with like running it off, it sounds crazy to me now, but I don't think about it like that. But it's a lot of people, I've worked with a lot of people. Yes, you have. That is so crazy. 
So look, I've heard that you started out doing music in your mom's basement. Is that true? Yeah, it's a fact. A million That's percent a- fact. <laughs> that basement that basement was rocking, man. I used to even when shit went like when when I did all the dipset shit and I was making money, I was still making beats there because of the vibe. I needed that vibe. I needed 25 people around me, some people playing dice, some people playing Xbox, some people playing dominoes, other people just talking and bullshitting and I'm making beats. Like I kind of needed that energy and that was the energy of diplomatic community was like, it was just me and a a bunch of my niggas in the crib. Just, you know, like only me and one of my homeboys made beats at the time, but everybody else was just around and the vibe was crazy. So that's where that music came from was that energy, you know what I mean? So you're not particularly someone that beats quiet. Do you ever need quiet to make your beats or your records? Or you like yeah. love people around all the time? I can, I can make music anywhere. It don't matter. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it, it don't matter to me because I said I started making music. I started make I started making music with tons of people around me. So it don't really matter now if I got quiet or I don't. It just I just mm. work. Yes. So when when you're in the basement of your mom's uh, house, yeah. Did, what was your goals? Did you My have goal? goals, or were you just making music down there? Yeah. Like anybody that's anybody that's been there could tell you. I had a I had a um a piece of paper on the wall that said it's been promised to me, right? And mm-hmm. I I, wrote, I put that up there from I want to say ninety six or ninety seven. I put it up there. And I just always believe that whatever you want in life is promised to you, but you just got to go get it. You understand? Like, it's in that place for you, but it might be a far place. You just got to travel and go get it, but you got to go get it. And that sign on my wall, I kept that up there till I left that basement. You know what I mean? And that was just always a reminder to me, like, like it was almost promised to you. You don't got to, you don't got to think harder than that. Just work. It's already promised to you. Just work. And that that's kind of what I did. I just worked. So you, so was it ever intimidating when you was in the studio with these guys? Like the dip session? Well, my first studio session ever was with cannabis. And I remember Mm. me and my partner sold the beat and we had to bring the, we had to, at that time, you had to track out the beat in the studio. It wasn't like now where you could track it out through Pro Tools and email it. This was like, you had to bring your drum machine Plug this shit up through Simpty. You probably don't know what that means, but anybody that's been making beats for a while, it's some old school shit. You could, this is how you lock up the beat machine to the computer. And I remember I never did that before. This is the first beat I ever sold. And the engineer was making me feel crazy. Like, yo, what do you do? You call yourself a, a producer? Like, you don't know how to do this? And I just remember that day. And I just remember, I, I just remember saying to myself, I gotta know everything. I don't want anybody to ever talk to me like this again. I gotta know everything. You know, whether it's producing, whether it's engineering, whether it's mixing, whether it's mastering, whatever it is, I gotta know everything. Like this is my this is my profession. I gotta know everything. You know what I mean? And I even though it was a terrible day for me, like as far as embarrassment goes, it was the, mm-hmm. probably one of the one of the best lessons of my life. So you so you taught yourself all those little things that you know, you just everything. just sitting there grinding. Everything. I mean my 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 my, my older partner thriller. He, he was making beats before me and he showed me things on the MPC, but as far as me mastering the way I do things or trying to master the way I do things, dude, I was pretty much self-taught after a certain point, you know what I mean? Like, mixing and mastering, I'm self-taught. Um, 
engineering as a whole, I'm self-taught, but it's not rocket science. So no excuse. No, should never be no. an excuse. Okay, so now I I know a lot of times when you have these big goals for yourself, you know, people are trying to come in and put doubt in your mind. Of course. Did you have some people like that in the beginning? I have. There's one chick that I remember specifically. She was um. Because you got to remember the era that I'm trying to get in was like the hip hop party era where like, you know, Diddy's making like, you know, club records and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And I get in the game and my music is like, like what you hear from Dipset, like slowed a little slight, even though it was sped up, the tempo was slower, the groove was different. And I remember a chick saying to me like, yo, why your music sound like that? Like make something that don't sound so like dark and grimy. Like why you should sound like that? And I just remember looking at her like, I'm going to show you how, I didn't say this to her, but in my head, I'm like, I'm going to show you how I dictate music and turn this whole shit around. Watch with this type of shit. Cause everybody was doing the same shit. Anytime everybody's doing the same shit and you just veer off a little bit, you mm -hmm. out of here. But people don't realize that shit. Everybody want to jump in the same lane and do what everybody else is doing. I'm not really with that. You know? So that's always been my mindset from back then. So when we got in, that shit just took off. You know, Dipset, they just had the right charisma to pull that shit off and they made that shit sound epic in my opinion yes all the producers i've had on so far have all been leaders i mean i haven't heard one most i had another multi-platinum producer on and he said the same thing as you i had a, a another one on and he said the same thing I always just want to be original just stay right. by on their own path so right. that's very important to y'all um that's beautiful i i, I know that you said when you, you was down in the basement, when people were doubting you, you also had some anger that was coming along with that. What was going on in your life back then? Like, uh, you talking about the basement before Dipset? Yes. Yeah. I was broke. I'm not gonna lie about it. I, was, I didn't have no money. I was trying to figure life out. You know what I mean? I, I, I felt mad at everybody, like niggas owed me something. I was just mad. You know what I mean? But at that point in my life, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to channel my anger into into motivation. I channeled my, my anger was just anger. Like I just felt like I wanted to hurt somebody type of thing. You know what I mean? But mm. I think later on in my life, when I realized I needed that anger to fuel my motivation, it turned my whole life around. Like I tell people all the time, they be like, what would you do different if you could change something? And I said, I would have got angry sooner and learned how mm. to use that anger. You understand? Like. Everybody looks at anger as a bad thing. That shit is probably one of the best things in the world because if anger don't drive you, then you're just not a driven person, period. You understand? Like if somebody shuts you down, that should make you want to go home and get 20 times as nice. You understand? Like no, no matter what aspect of life it is, if you a dude and you're trying to talk to a chick and she's like, yo, you, you sloppy, you look crazy, and that don't motivate you to get your shit together just, just to get back in front of it and be like, look, then you're not a motivated person. Nothing's going to motivate you. So with me, with music, when people don't mention my name in certain things or they don't talk about my music or act like I didn't do nothing, I love that in a way. It motivates me. I just get better so they can keep doing that. You know, like, I need that. That's what I wanted to get at because some people, I want to know how did you use that anger to motivate you because a lot Hell, of people just, just angry. <laughs> right, but you got to think about it. I'm sure you've been in situations that you was ready to explode you know what i mean and you got to realize that i could just either sit here and be mad and tear up everything in my house 
or I can say I'm gonna put this energy to something positive. You understand? Like, mm. if you were somebody that wanna lose weight, go to the gym. When you, when you angry like that, take the energy out in the gym. If you somebody that makes music, put some extra hours in the studio while you angry. Make music about what you angry about. Make angry music. Whatever it is that's gonna get it off your chest, you gotta learn how to use that. A lot of people don't know how to use it. A lot of people just, they just mad and they make other people's lives miserable. Like some oh, of the you best music it. you ever heard from me was me being mad. Mad as fuck. You know what I mean? Like when I made dips at Anthem broke. I was mad. Oh, I'm glad you were broke. Cause that I'm telling you, that's one of my favorite tracks ever. Ever. I, I did you know you had you said did you know you had gold when you when you made that track? No. <clears throat> the one track that I knew was special was I'm ready. I dipped that anthem, I okay. almost threw dips that anthem away. My cousin walked in the crib and told me not to throw it away. If my oh, cousin thank God. Me 10 minutes later, I'd do that in the trash. Because Why? Because Why were you around that away? time I used to make about because around like during those days I used to make like about four to five beats a day and that was the last beat I made for the day so I didn't know if my ears was like lying to me or not because I, I didn't show up I wasn't sure if it sounded good or good if I was just bugging I didn't know so mm -hmm. right before I'm about to turn it off my cousin walks in and I'm like you fuck with this he was like yo this is crazy and that's the only reason I saved it because of him yeah sometimes we just gotta step back and give things a second like I mean, you don't take your time to like listen to it this moment and then just sit on it for a second and then. I make I make music off of the off of the vibe of right now. Like if I'm making music and it don't sound good to me now while I'm in the moment, I'm not really fucking with it. It got to give me a vibe right then and there on the spot because in my head, the first person I play for, their first reaction is gonna be my first reaction. Mm -hmm. You understand? So if I off top, I loved it. They're gonna love it off top. I just kind of know the people that fuck with my music. It's not. I'm not saying everybody, but people that are fans of my music. If I love it, ten minutes into the beat, people gonna love it. I know that already. Like State of the Union that I did for um the El Capo album, that beat probably took me about fifteen minutes. I knew from the minute I started putting that together what that was. You know what I mean? The same thing with New York City. The same thing with um. Crystal occasions like there's just certain records when I started putting them together, I know what it is already. Now, how how exactly did the relationship with Dipset come to be? Like, how it, did that start? It started with a dude by the name of Renee McLean. He was um he was managing Cam at the time, and me and my peoples went to go see him because he used to get records played on the radio. I think he managed a couple DJs, so we had an artist at the time. We went to go see him. And he was like, yo, what do y'all do? He said, you make beats. And he was like, yo, you know, I managed Cam, give me some beats. And I always walked around with a CD on me, gave him a CD with like 20 beats. And out of those 20 beats, they they picked nine off of there for Diplomatic Immunity. And then we added, um, we did we did Dips and Anthem after that. And we did, um, I want to say More Than Music. I think More Than Music and Dips and Anthem were the last two songs we did for that album. When, how was it? working in the studio with Cameron. Like, uh, to me, he just a wordsmith, like. Cam is, Cam is to the point, like Cam will come to the studio. If he already had to be, he's gonna come to the studio ready and knock, knock his record or his verse out in no time. 
You know what I mean? Like Jim is more the type, cause Jim doesn't write. So Jim will come to the studio and just lay, lay on the couch for about 20 minutes, fall asleep and wake up with his verse and then go in the booth. Joel's will sit in the booth for a while and get his lines together. And you know, every, all of them got their own process, but it's dope. Has there, has there been an artist you've learned the most from just with working with them? Artists I learned the most from? Um, I learned from every artist I work with because mm-hmm. each of them make you have to bring out a different aspect of your talent. You know what I mean? It's not like, I, I'm not making Jim the same records I would make Cam. A lot of people might think that like, yo, they all, they all like their own type of shit. Like Jim isn't gonna pick the same records Cam is gonna pick, and Joel's ain't gonna pick the same records Jim is gonna pick. It's just they all different. But I understand that I know how to work with each of them accordingly. You know what I mean? Like I'll make a beat, and in my head I can already hear Cam on there, or I can already hear Jim or Joel's, and I'll just send it to whoever I hear in my head on it. And nine out of ten times I'm right. Now your beats are always great but you definitely have a touch with using samples wouldn't you say like i, I mean it's, it's hard for me to say because it's me you know what i mean <laughs> it's me it's not like i can't hear it's like you know how some people say you can't see the picture if you're standing in the frame yes. i'm in the frame so i can't see what everybody else i can't hear what everybody else hears because i'm the one that's making it so it's hard for me to Arsonist, did you just hear me say that I have a, an experience when I listen to your music? Course, no, I catch the whole and go. I appreciate that. I appreciate But I'm just saying, dude, I've never, I've never put my music on a pedestal. I just know when I've outdone myself, if that makes any sense. You yeah. understand? Like, I know when I've topped my previous self. But other than that, I don't, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to really break that down because I'm me and I can't I can't hear what everybody else is hearing. Well, let me ask you in a different way then because you know other producers and you know some producers just don't know their way around a sample. Okay? Right. You right. know your way around a sample. I mean, when I listen to the records you did with Jim Jones, I mean, those sample records, I mean, you, you just have a special touch to them. I mean, right. some people get a sample and just make it sound like a bunch of mess. Is there a certain approach that you take to those records that you make out of samples? Yeah, I mean, for me, I've been doing it so long now that it's like it's like breathing to me. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you know, you don't got when you breathe, you're not thinking to breathe. You just breathe. That's how yeah. I make music. It's like when I turn the machine on, I'm not even thinking about what buttons I'm pressing. I just know where everything is at, and I know my way around the shit, and I know what I want to do. Like. I look at a sample like a puzzle because I'm never going to put it back together the way that it was. Like a lot of times if I'm speeding it up, I'm chopping it up, I'm I'm rearranging things, I'm doing whatever, but I just look at it like a puzzle. And a lot of times I got to like keep fucking with the puzzle till I get it all together, but I've become better now. Like I can get it together faster. Before it was like I would settle. Like a lot of times I would do something with a sample and it would sound good enough and I would settle. settle. But now I'm to the Mm. point where I know how to take it to that next level so it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like to give you that feeling that you're talking about. Like I, I feel like I've mastered that now. Yeah, cause I saw a video of you go to a, a record store and you blindly pick three records and you made right. a sample that same day. Right. And it was outrageous. But that, you know what? Not even a sound like that. I want to do that over. The reason why I say that <laughs> because at the time, it was just a whole different time for me. I'm, I'm so much better now. I'm so much better now. 
I just want to do that over and really get busy. But you know, it is what it is. I'm just a I'm a competitive type of person when it comes to shit like that. And that's where that, that's why you are where you are. Now I wanna I wanna hit on something because I think it's good to let people know you can't always get oh you're good you're good you're good. I know you said at one point back in the day you know it was different because you had to be face to face with people when they were listening right. to your music. Like uh, tell us why it's important to be able to get the teach and to have those moments. I just believe like the story I told earlier when that engineer embarrassed me in the studio, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody needs an experience like that face to face to humble you. You understand? Cause because of the internet now, what happens is everybody think because they can put a hi-hat on a beat and a kick and a, and a piano, one sound piano in the background, they feel like they're a producer. I, I wish that it could go back to the point where they have to go into the studio with seven other producers and everybody gets their turn to play beats for whoever they want to name. Let's say it was Young Thug. Mm -hmm. And they can hear their direct competition in the same room. Because that'll force you to go home and get better because I don't care who you are. You know if somebody's music sounds better than you, if they're more advanced than you. Unless you're just gonna lie to yourself. You understand? Like, and you yes. know when you're better than somebody else. But the problem is a lot of these, a lot of these newer producers and newer artists, because they've never experienced that, their friends are lying to them. They're lying to themselves. Everybody that's around them is a, a friend they grew up with that's like, yo, your shit is crazy, your shit is crazy. Meanwhile, you're not, you haven't competed with anybody to even see if your shit is crazy or not. These are just your homeboys from around your way gassing you. You understand? I feel like everybody needs to hear their direct competition cause, so they can know how far off they are from where they need to be. You know what I mean? Because that's the fucked up part with the game now. Because of the internet, you have direct access to anybody, right? Whether they respond to you is on them or not, but you have direct access to pretty much anybody. And that's the problem to me, is that not everybody should have access to everybody. You understand? Like, it's, it becomes too chaotic. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's probably why records are selling less. That's why a lot of things are selling less because everything is too accessible. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right now, if I'm talking about anything, I can go online and find it. So the value of shit goes down when that happens. Mm -hmm. And I think the value of talent has gone down because that's what's happening. You understand? Like everybody can, everybody can make music now in their house because they can download some free shit and buy a mic and put the shit up online. And you understand? Like it's just, it's too much. It's a wild, wild west out here. Are you able to test out people? Like if an artist come to you, can you tell what kind of artist they are? If they're one of those artists like that, or they're a real one? Like, do you have anything you do to kind of set I people apart? I mean, me personally, I can tell. I wouldn't, unless I become cool with the person, I'm not going to tell them that because I don't want to personally crush anybody's dreams because I want people to keep their confidence. But to me, like, I know a bunch of people who are trying to um, trying to be artists for years mm -hmm. and they're not breaking through. And in my head, it's like, this person would serve better as a manager. But in their mm -hmm. head, it's like, I got to be a rapper. I got to be a rapper. Meanwhile, all your skills lead you to the management side, but you don't want to accept that. You just want to keep trying to make music. Now you're in your late 30s. Now you're in your early 40s. Now you look crazy. You understand? Like, at some point, you got to be real with yourself, no matter who you are. You understand? Like, you got to be real with yourself and say, maybe this might not work. Can I redirect my energy to something else in the industry that might work? And I think some people never come to that 
that realization sometimes. Well, you know what? You told me that my album sounded good, so I'm gonna keep going. No, no, it did sound good. It did sound good. I wouldn't have told you. Anybody that know me know I'm not gonna say nothing of it. You know what I mean? It sounded good. Thank you, bro. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm, saying, no, I'm just I'm talking in general. I've met thousands. No, of I know. Years, you know what I mean? So I'm not speaking about anybody specific. I've just met all types of artists. Some that are delusional, some that are not. Some that are really talented but don't work hard enough. I've met all types. Oh yeah. Oh no, I was just big in myself. Up. That's all. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, you play any instruments? Well, I'm actually um, I'm actually picking up. Well, I like keys and all that. I don't play the keys like you would see. I just know my way around the keyboard. If you if you know what I mean. Like I'm mm -hmm. not tone deaf. I can do what I want to do, but I just love sampling. But I'm I'm actually um I'm actually taking guitar lessons like I started like about I want to say about three weeks ago. So I'm, okay. trying, to, I'm trying to get nice and that's it. I'm just trying to expand my 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 talents, my skills and shit like that. You know, no specific reason. I just want to learn how to play the guitar. Oh, that's that's lovely. So okay, I'm glad to have you on here because and I want to ask this and 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 I don't know how you're gonna feel about this question, but. The one of the producers I had on Troy Oliver, we were talking about uh, producers versus beat makers. Right. Obviously, you you're a producer. What is right. your definition of a producer? And uh, I just want to see if, if if you give me a different answer because this is so interesting I mean, to me. No, it's really a simple answer that you can under that everybody can understand. Okay. Production production is everything that happens after you make the beat. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything, when when you just make the beat, at that moment, you're a beat maker. You understand? When you start arranging the record, when you when you have an artist on there and you realize that I might not need this sound, let me take it out, or instead of doing 16 bars, cut it down to 12, now you're producing the record. You understand? Like, a beat maker isn't even thinking about an artist getting on the record. Mm. He just wants to make the shit sound exciting and crazy, and he don't understand how the artist is going to fit in there. You know what I mean? Like when I first started off my career, I considered myself, I was a beat maker. Like I didn't understand how to work with artists, how, you know, like the concept of less is more. Like you might not need all those sounds in the beat because you got to leave room for the artist to get on there. Like, you know, a lot of that stuff I didn't comprehend. So I was a beat maker back then, but now I've executive produced like about five albums and I understand the concept of making records now. Do you feel that you could do other genres of music or do you just look at yourself as a hip-hop producer no nah, i can i can definitely do other genres of music but there has to be there has to be some sort of give and take you understand like mm -hmm. i still want to keep the essence of my sound I, i'm not going to surrender my sound because i'm doing a a pop record and he makes pop record sound dope i just i do it the way i do it you know what i mean like I can fit into any mold of music, but the artist has to be willing to meet me halfway. You understand? Like, I'll meet them halfway, they gotta meet me halfway. I'm not gonna... What's the sense of getting the heat makers to do your record if you, you want me to abandon my sound? It don't make sense. Right. Because we already know what we did. It's gonna be dope, and we know how you do it, so... Like, right now, me and my um, me and my homeboy Mark, anybody that listened to El Capo, my man Mark Scabilia, me and him started a project together. So we coming from two different worlds and the, and the records that we got so far sound insane. So I already know, but we only gonna do about seven, but by the time we do seven, it's gonna sound incredible. You know what I mean? And 
he he doesn't know much about hip hop. I don't know much about the type of music he does. But when we work together, like magic happens. Because I don't ask him to do nothing he wouldn't do. He don't ask me to do nothing I wouldn't do. But somehow we meet in the middle and it works. Somebody just asked a question here and I kind of wanted to ask something like this. So I'm going to say it. Has the industry tried to change you? Because what I want to know is like hip hop, just like every other genre, goes through these changes. And right now it is this like sad, dark hip hop, which... You you describe your sound as dark, but it's really not. For, I get what you're saying. No, for that for the time that it was coming out, that was it was dark. Darker. Yeah, now I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, now it's like it's, it, people are doing music with a lot of dark strings, and it's just trap drums over dark strings, dark pianos. You know what I mean? So I get it. I'm not mad at it. I'm just saying, I feel like once somebody else figures out the next the next wave to take it. That's the dude that's gonna be up on a pedestal, not the dude that jumps into the game and mimics everybody else. You know what I mean? So whether the music is dark, happy, whatever it is, just find your own way of doing it. That's that's all I'm saying. Well, that's what I want to know. Like, is it like is being a producer, like being an artist, like do you do you feel like have you ever felt pressure to do what they're doing in the moment? Or are you just always are you just who you are enough now to say no? This is me. I'm this not is what I'm doing. At a certain point in my career, I felt that pressure. Like, um, I want to say from like 2012 to about 2015, I felt mm -hmm. that pressure. And I was kind of, I was kind of confused. I didn't really know. Like anybody that followed my career around that time from 2012 to 2015, I had a dude that I was working with that, you know, he played the keys and he played different instruments. And, and to be honest with you, with me, I just felt like he was, like he was fucking my sound up. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I had to kind of, just reset and then after i reset you know um wasted talent came out diplomatic ties came out um el capo came out purple haze 2 came out you know like i was just back in the i was back in the, in my vibe and the way i like to make music you know what i'm saying and so i just think that once i realized that i didn't need nobody to, to make my sound complete or to kind of fit into what's going on now because to me it's like if you don't love my music then nothing I make you're going to love because mm. it's all going to be me no matter how I make what tempo it's at it's me you know what I mean so if you if you fuck with my music before you'll definitely fuck with the new shit that I'm putting out a million percent what does this mean to you <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face I like I like a chick with big tits on her chest not flat looking like somebody stepped on her chest oh what? Oh yeah, that was um, that was a gangster music part two, right? That was gangster yeah. music. Oh my god! You know, I, remember that song. I remember that song ended up on Cam's album, but that was really supposed to be Joel's song because me and Cam had, I mean, me and Joel's had had did that record. I remember I did the beat, met him in Harlem. He started writing the shit in his car while I'm playing it for him. And no, that's Jules. That's Jules. Yeah, no, no, that's Joel's, but that's but it was on Cam's album. Oh, okay, okay. It was, on, it was on Purple Haze, but it was supposed to be Joel's record, like completely Joel's record, but you know, it came out crazy and I think Cam wanted to put it on his album because Cam wanted to put a verse on there. I, I gotta do this too. Killer! Oh yeah, my man, our, <laughs> my man, our prestige. My man, our prestige. Oh Christine. man. Actually, actually, um, what day is today? Yeah, my man, our prestige, he, um, 
he hit me last week and we actually were talking about doing a killer cam part two oh yeah so he's supposed to he's actually supposed to come check me this week and i think we might try to put together a killer cam part two and then you know send it over to cam see what happens Oh my God. You know, when you invited me over to your studio, I was so mad because as soon as I left, you and Jim Jones had came. And I'm like, maybe God knew to just let me leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we was, um, yeah, well, around that time, me and him, we were working on, we were working on El Capo too. I think that that time, because we're finished with it now. So we was working on it around that time. You guys must have a dope relationship because it seems like out of all the people in Dipset, you and Jim work together the most. Um, I think the thing was, Jim just wanted to, Jim works like how I work. Like mm. Jim does things quick. Like I make music quick. Jim will have his verse ready quick and we just keep moving. We don't really sit and listen to a record 20 times after we do it. We do it, move on, he put like, pull up another beat. I pull up another beat. He does the same thing. If I don't have a beat, I'll make something. You understand? Like, he'll tell me the vibe that he's thinking about and I'll make something that fits that vibe. Like when we did um the record with him and with him and Fab, um, Nothing Lasts. I mm. remember he was in the studio. He was like, yo, I need something like an up-tempo vibe, some, some Harlem shit. And I just remember I'm going through some samples I had and I was just fucking around and I'm like, I start putting it together. I made that beat in probably about like 20 minutes. Just when the vibe is right, man. Like the same thing, the intro to um to wasted talent. Never did the three quarters. That was like 15 minutes. It's just when you catch the vibe, that shit is just a you know, it's just a vibe. You don't really want to fuck the vibe because you don't do too much. Ooh. Look, I would love for you to tell my viewers the story of how you got on that little Wayne um album. Because it was funny to it was funny to me. Yeah, yeah, it was funny to me. Oh, I gave um I my man British, who um he was man I don't know if he still manages Cam, but he was managing Cam at one point. My man British was um he was cool with Wayne and Baby and all of them, and he, he came to me. He's like, "Yo, Wayne said he wants some beats," and this was like March. So I gave him mm -hmm. a CD and I gave him a CD in March, and I remember them hitting me at like the end of October because the album came out November fifth, if I'm not mistaken, November fifth, two thousand and five. Something mm -hmm. like that. I know I'm close. It's around there. So the end of October, I remember um, one of Wayne's, no, British hit me and said, yo, Wayne picked two of the beats. He needs the files. And this is back in the day when the internet wasn't like that. You know what I mean? Like it was AOL and it was other shit like that. So I went to my homeboy's crib and he had dial-up. This nigga had dial-up service. And I remember me sending two beats. That shit might've taken about six hours. I sat in this crib for about five to six hours waiting for two beats to go through because I was trying to make the album but yeah times changed man but that was that was fire to me yeah that was fire to me but yeah we got on the Carter 2 2 record the mob receipt it sounds like good. you always just you do whatever you gotta do to, to get that music out there man of course of course always like right now I got a I got a joint coming out on um on the next album that Ross is working on Ooh. So, you know, you're going to hear some heat makers and Ross. We're going to get it get it together. Then uh, me and Currency got a project coming out, like a little five-song EP. And uh, El Capo 2 is done. We just putting, we're we, we going to arrange it, get it mixed. And um, me and Joelle's going to put out an EP together, maybe like five to seven songs. We're we working on that now. And, yeah, I know I'm missing some. I'm missing a bunch of shit, but that's the shit I'm working on. Oh, yeah, my man, me and my man, um, 
38 special doing a project together. And yeah, just working. I'm just working. Damn, can you find 20 minutes to let Katie stop by before I have to leave <laughs> New York? Like, damn. You're, you're yeah, always welcome. Yeah, need to fit me into it. Y'all heard him say I'm always welcome. So just, just check that out. Um, So look at here. I wanted you to just say a couple of words about your friend Fred the Godson because I know we lost him during COVID. The shirt I, you see the shirt I got on? Oh yeah, Godson. What say? Read it to us, Gordo. Big Bronx, Gordo, Federico, Godson, and Fat Boy Fresh. Was it? Yeah. So yeah, y'all. If y'all if y'all want to support, man, go to his page, and you know, buy a couple of these, man. It goes straight straight to his family. So, but yeah, Fred. Like I tell everybody, man, Fred was not just an artist to me. Like Fred was like my brother. Like he was around me and Fred. Like. Yeah. Me and Fred, for the last, well, I've known Fred for about 17 years, right? But mm -hmm. the last 11 years, me and Fred have been around each other four to five times a week for the last 11 years. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And we've made a ton of music. We just shared a lot of laughs and jokes and talked about each other's family and kids. And, you know, like, we just, we were, like, brothers, mm -hmm. man. Like, it wasn't, so I don't think anybody can truly understand. Like, even right now, music don't really feel the same for me. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I make, I, I'm still making music because I love music, but it don't feel the same. It's like I lost a piece of that energy that I had before because I'd be making music and Fred would come in and he would motivate me to stay longer and work harder and, and, and keep up with him. You know what I mean? Like, and I know anybody that's around, was around him will tell you the same shit. Jim will tell you the same shit. Fat Joe will tell you the same shit. Fred just had a different energy about him, man. And it'll never be replaced for me. So I'm just trying to, somewhat get my groove back you know what I mean but that was that was my brother a million percent oh, man. and we working on we working on this documentary right now the, the same people that shot the uh, same people that shot the last dance are shooting uh, we're shooting the Godson documentary we got good people that's gonna be in there you know all the way from Fat Joe to LL to uh, to uh, to Wale to Jada to to French to you know people that Fred impacted their life at some point. Yeah, you know, I only met him that one day, but and you know, I had heard about him in Connecticut when I was living there, uh, yeah. when he when he first was really on the scene, and um, you know, his energy was good. Like he just seemed like he was a, a cool cat. No, nah, like, he's a good like Fred would give you the shirt. Fred would have gave you the shirt off his back, man. Like, you no, know, you couldn't be hungry around Fred. Let me put it like that. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what it was, Fred was gonna make sure you good whether he loved you or disliked you he was never gonna let you starve around him so he was a different type of person man he kind of made me he made me change my stance on a lot of people and anybody that knows me know i'm one of the most stubborn people in the world so it's hard to do that but fred's energy made me do that that's dope that is so dope have you been able to put any of those emotions in your music or yeah, a million percent. I, I find myself making a lot more of, like, music that has that type of, like, feel to it now. Like, I don't know. I can't describe it. It's just, like, a mood that I've been in for, like, the last two to three months, the type of music I'm making. I feel like my music isn't... I can always make aggressive music, you know what I mean? But for me to make, mm -hmm. like, for me to make, like, music that has a real mood to it, that's special music to me. Like, you know, like when I when I did the record with Fred and Joel, um, it was a record called Hallways on Gorilla Blue 
on Gorilla Glue. We're about to put out a Gorilla Glue too, because before Fred passed, he had finished up his project. But um, mm-hmm. we had did a record called Hallways, and I just think that type of vibe is the type of vibe that I've been on for like the last probably like two months, two and a half months maybe. Well, I definitely know how that feels. I mean, people who watch my show, I mean, I tell them all the time, I lost my best friend like a year and some change ago. So I definitely know how that goes. But, you know, you get to a point where you, you get to a good place, you know, where you can think about them and kind of smile. And then sometimes you have those sad moments, but... To be honest with you, ever since Fred passed, I've always thought about him and and had happy memories. I've never thought about him and I felt like depressed because every time we was around each other, it was just laughs and jokes and shit like that. So his memory doesn't affect me in a negative way. You understand? Never has. And I don't think it ever will. It's just, it's just the selfish side of me that misses him. You understand? Like, yeah, because where, you know, wherever Fred is at, he's in a better place and he's, he's, he's at ease. You understand? But I'm just selfish in the sense that I miss his presence and his jokes and his company and, you know, things like that. Well, thank you. That's so beautiful for you to share with me um, all these stories. It was, uh, this was a beautiful time. Do you have any closing remarks or anything you no, would just, like to say? I mean, would you like to invite me the, to the studio? No, you got to you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. You're welcome. You came before. You're welcome. You know, anytime. Just come through. It's all good. I'm it's coming good. next week, then. I'm coming next week. Yeah, we just got to figure the time, but it's all good. A million percent. A million percent. Okay. All right. And my mama on here. Mama, you heard? You heard Austin is right. You wouldn't lie to my mama, would you? He made like, I ain't going to lie to your mother. <laughs> my mama came good. Okay. Okay. Look, tell my boy, you know, I'm a big fan of Jules. Tell my boy Jules. I said, hey, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a lot of corny points with my family. I already know they see this, but I, you know, I'm just a big, they had told me, they were like, don't act like no big groupie, but I don't give a damn. I rocks with the bird it's gang. Not, not, I'm not going to lie to you. I just, I just appreciate the love, man, because there was times that nobody gave a shit. So I appreciate the love. Oh, I'm yeah, man. Way to love, man. Oh yeah, hell yeah, man. I mean, like I said, your your soundtrack either can make me wanna fight or it's gonna make me wanna just be motivated to go to the top. But either way it go, I thank you so much for your music. It's been a soundtrack for me and my brother. Like so many days sitting in the southern heat, listening to your jams, man. I'm telling you, uh really from my heart, I really appreciate that. And uh thank you so much for coming on Care Dangerous Talk and I'ma see you soon. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. Peace.